اعوذ باللہ من الشیطان الرجیم بسم اللہ الرحمن الرحیم لسن نمبر 71 سورة المائدہ آیا نمبر 27-40 سورة المائدہ Is it one of the earliest surahs to be revealed or one of the last surahs to be revealed? One of the last surahs to be revealed. And why is that of relevance? Why is that necessary to know? What benefit does this give us? What does it teach us? That whatever commandments are found in Surah Al-Ma'idah, they are final. Meaning they're not abrogated, so they are final, they have to be taken as it is. Now, since it is one of the last surahs to be revealed, there are many legal matters that are mentioned in this surah. Which means that lots of punishments are mentioned for various crimes. They will be found in this surah. Because at the beginning, the emphasis was on what? Ibadah. And towards the end, punishments were prescribed. Because the purpose of ibadah is that a person develops fear of Allah because of which automatically he will stay away from many sins. But yet there are people, there are times when people become weak, they become friends of shaitan, and they commit serious crimes. So if a person commits serious crimes, then there are serious consequences which we learn of in this surah. But remember that our deen is not just a system of crimes and punishments, legal rulings, laws and legal penalties. No. There's a lot of emphasis on islah, on reformation. Because you cannot just reform a society by penalizing, by punishing the criminals. You have to get to the root of the problem as well. That why are people committing certain crimes? What is the reason? So solve that, eliminate the reason because of which the crimes are not committed in the first place. So over here we see in this incident that inshallah we will learn today, we learn many lessons about what is it that drives people to committing sin, committing crimes, and how a person needs to stop himself. He should not allow himself to commit crimes. So the problem is eliminated from the root. And in the story, inshallah, which we will learn, which is about the two sons of Adam, السلام, there is an example. An example of what? Of how the first act of violence took place in human history. The first act of violence in human history. And we see that despite the passage of time, the human nature is still the same. So what led the first man to commit a serious crime, we see that the same thing leads people today to commit crimes. The root cause is the same. وَاتْلُوا عَلَيْهِمْ نَبَأَ بْنَيْ آدَمَ بِالْحَقِّ وَاتْلُوا عَلَيْهِمْ and recite upon them. Who is being addressed over here? The Prophet ﷺ is being commanded that, O Messenger, recite to them, meaning recite to the people. Inform them, tell them, teach them. From where? From the book of Allah. Because tilawa is done of what? Of the kitab. So recite to them. Naba'a, the news of, the story of, and the word naba is from noon ba hamza, which is used for news, which is important, which is relevant, which brings about a change in a person because it is relevant to him. So tell them the news of Ibnay. Ibnay, dual of Ibn. Ibn, one, Ibnay, two sons. So the two sons of who? Adam. Adam alayhi salam. Tell them the story how Bilhaq 
in truth meaning accurately exactly as it was now the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam was commanded to convey the entire quran anyway every single verse that was revealed to him what was he to do he was to convey it to the people So when Allah tells him that recite to the people the story of the two sons of Adam, what does it show? The emphasis that is being laid on the story. That he is being told, convey it to them, tell them, recite to them. So why is the story so important? Because there are many lessons to be learned from it. So the two sons of Adam, what is their story? Allah tells us, إِذْ قَرَّبَ قُرْبَانًا When both of them offered a sacrifice. قَرَّبَ قُرْبَانًا From the root letters, قَافْ رَبَ قُرْب What does قُرْب mean? قَرِيب What does قَرِيب mean? Close, near. So قَرَّبَ يُقَرِّبُ تَقْرِيب Is to do something in order to come close to someone. In order to draw near to them. From the same root is the word قُرْبَان. And what is قُرْبَان? What is qurban? Sacrifice and offering. So for example, at Eid, not Eid al-Fitr, Eid al-Adha, what do we do? We offer a qurban. We slaughter an animal. Why? In order to draw closer to Allah. We are performing a good deed, something that Allah wants us to do. Why? In order to come closer to Allah. And this is the benefit of sacrificing something for the sake of Allah. You know, for example, you may have a favorite TV show, but you feel that every time I watch it, once a week, for an hour, you know, I just get worried about what's going to happen by in the next episode for the entire week. And it distracts me in my prayers, it distracts me from everything. You know, I'm concerned about it, and when that TV show has to come, I'm so excited. And, you know, even if my maghrib salah is getting affected, it doesn't matter because I want to watch that TV show. So you say, you know what? This is distracting me too much, so I'm going to leave it for the sake of Allah. I'm going to sacrifice it. I'm going to slaughter it. I'm going to get rid of it from my life. Why? So that I can come closer to Allah. Because it is not letting me pray properly. It is not letting me recite my evening adhkar. It is not letting me remember Allah through the day and the night. Instead of remembering Allah, I'm remembering what's happening or what's going to happen or what happened or what might happen in that TV show. Right? So you say, I'm going to sacrifice it. I'm going to give it up. I'm going to cut it. I'm going to slaughter it. Okay? Why? So you can come closer to Allah. This is what a qurban is. That you give up something. A part of your wealth. Maybe a desire. Maybe something that you are really attracted to. Why? In order to come closer to Allah. Like we learned that, Yaqub a.s. Israel, we learn about him in the Qur'an, that he loved a certain kind of meat, camel meat. And he left it, he harrama ala nafsihi, he made it haram upon himself. Why? Because he loved it too much, right? So, When there's something that you love too much, sometimes you need to give it up for the sake of Allah. So anyway, these two brothers, they offered a sacrifice for the sake of Allah. Now what was that offering? What was it that they had done for the sake of Allah? What is it that they had done in order to come closer to Allah? Was it an object that they gave? 
Allah Alam. We do not know the details of it. It's not mentioned in the Quran, it is not mentioned in the hadith. Now scholars have said that one of them he offered an animal, the other one he offered some produce of the land. And what's the reason behind that? That reason also we don't know. Why is it that they offered that sacrifice? There are stories that you will find in various tafasir, but remember that they're not mentioned in the Qur'an, they're not mentioned in the hadith. And the thing is that when Allah has remained silent concerning certain details, then we also remain silent concerning them. Because remember, if they were of benefit to us, meaning if it was necessary for us to know those details, then for sure Allah would have mentioned it. If it was necessary for us to know those details, to understand the story, to learn from the story, again Allah would have certainly mentioned those details. But the thing is, the fact is, that we don't need those details to learn a lesson. These verses are sufficient. So anyway, they both offered some kind of sacrifice. But what happened? فَتُقُبِّلَ So it was accepted from قُبُول قَافْ بَالَامْ it was accepted min ahadihima from one of them. Walam yutakabbal and it was not accepted min al akhar from the other. One son, his sacrifice was accepted. The other son, his sacrifice was not accepted. And this is something that we need to reflect over. It's quite possible that two people are performing the same deed. On the apparent, they're doing the exact same thing. But they are different as the sky and the earth are different. When it comes to the reward for that deed, when it comes to the acceptance or rejection of that deed. One person, his deed brings so much reward that it could reach up to the sky. And the other person, for that same deed, he gets nothing, nothing at all. He remains exactly where he is. One person by performing that deed comes so close to Allah. And the other person by performing that deed experiences nothing but toil and fatigue. So, we should not just be concerned about performing good deeds. We should be concerned about their acceptance as well. We should not just be concerned about getting over them. Marking them on the checklist, you know, done, done, done. I'm over with it. No. Like the 30 fasts of Ramadan, a person should not just be concerned about, okay, one down, one down, another, another countdown, and then finally, 30 are done. No. We should be worried about their acceptance as well. That did Allah accept it? Because if He didn't accept it, then what use was all this effort of mine? It was of no benefit at all. You know, it's like you write the best answer the most detailed answer to a question in an assignment. And you submit it to your teacher, your professor, and they're like, no, I don't want this. I was looking for something else. The question required a different kind of an answer. You prepare some food and bring it to someone, and they don't like it. They don't want it. They say, no, thank you. When you do something, what do you want? That it should be accepted. فَتُقُبِّلَ مِنْ أَحَدِهِمَا وَلَمْ يُتَقَبَّلْ مِنَ الْآخَرِ This is why some of the salaf, they would say, that if I were to know that Allah has accepted even one deed of mine, even one deed of mine, then I would be so happy and I would rejoice that Allah has accepted one good deed of mine even. 
Because in reality, we don't know if our good deeds have been accepted. But the people in the early times, they found out if their deeds were accepted or not. How? That we learned that at that time what would happen is that if for example a person would offer a sacrifice, then a fire from the sky would fall down and consume it. That was an indication that the offering, the deed had been accepted by Allah. And if it was left untouched, then that meant that that deed was rejected. It was not accepted by Allah. So whether it was through that means or through some other means, but both of them, they found out that one person, his deed was accepted, and the other person, his qurban was not accepted. And even today, even though we don't have obvious signs to tell us, you know, sometimes your heart will tell you. Or the response of the people around you, sometimes that indicates to you. Or how things turn out, sometimes they indicate to you whether your deeds are being accepted or they are rejected. You know, sometimes you do something small and there's so much barakah in that. You know, the work, it grows. Or the deed, you do it once and then you develop a habit. You're constantly doing it. Or you help someone in need, you give them something and then what happens? You see the fruit, you see the work growing, you see them benefiting. So that is an indication, insha'Allah, that the deeds have been accepted. And sometimes you do so much hard work and you feel as if it's producing nothing. Perhaps that is an indication that the deeds are not accepted. Because it has been said that مَا كَانَ لِلَّهِ بَقِيَ Whatever is done for Allah, then that remains. Imam Malik, when he collected the first collection of hadith, which was named Muwatta, Muwatta of Imam Malik. When he compiled that book, there were so many people who started compiling similar books. You know, it's like one person does something, and then other people start imitating. So, there were so many muwattas all of a sudden. So many collections of ahadith which were named muwatta. So, you know, people, they asked Imam Malik that, don't you worry, like your book is going to be lost. But what did he say? مَا كَانَ لِلَّهِ بَقِيَ What is for Allah will remain. And today when we hear the word muwatta, which book do we think of? Of Imam Malik. Not some other book. Not any other muwatta. So anyway, إِذْ قَرَّبَ قُرْبَانًا فَتُقُبِّلَ مِنْ أَحَدِهِمَا وَلَمْ يُتَقَبَّلْ مِنَ الْآخَرِ Now the question is, what is it that causes good deeds to be accepted? And what is it that causes good deeds to be rejected? Pure intention, ikhlas. What is done for Allah, Allah accepts it. And what is done for other than Allah, then Allah has no need of it. He has no interest in it. He has no need of it. He is not needy for your good deeds. That if you do something for the sake of impressing people, just because it is salah or just because it is recitation of the Qur'an, He will accept it. No. He is tayyib and He accepts only that which is tayyib. Tayyib, which is pure, meaning pure in intention as well. So first of all, sincerity of intention is a cause of acceptance of good deeds. What else is a reason for acceptance of good deeds? Ihsan, okay good. That for example, a person does something in a good way with ihsan. You know, one is that a person performs salah just to get it over with. So he has no idea what he's saying. Allah And if you were to interrupt that person, or somebody were to say something, all of a sudden they would not know what they're saying. They would be lost in their salah. Right? Which is why sometimes people get so offended if somebody's having a conversation nearby. 
even if it's in a in a low voice why because they say you distracted me why because i recite my salah like a train i have no idea what i'm saying and if you were to interrupt me if i were to lose track for even a second i wouldn't know what i'm reciting or where i am and the other is that a person is reciting with understanding with meaning with his heart involved is there a difference yes definitely there is tell me if somebody is talking to you if somebody gives you a card they write something to you in the card and one is a very cliche statement and another is like really well thought out which one do you like more the one that is well thought out what else is the reason for acceptance of deeds besides ikhlas ihsan what else is that the deed has to be in accordance with the sunnah according to how allah wants it you know like it cannot be a very good answer a great answer to the wrong question it has to be the right answer to the right question what else causes good deeds to be accepted that for example a person is giving sadaqa a person is spending for the sake of allah he's let's say slaughtering an animal buys it slaughters it distributes the meat for instance then in that case the money with which he obtained that animal the money that he's giving in the way of allah that has to be halal money as well you can't take money from your dad's wallet without telling him and go put it in the donation box no such a good deed is not accepted likewise a wife cannot take all of her husband's money because they have a joint account and then she goes and sponsors a very big islamic project no doesn't work like that if she does so she's not getting any reward for it because she took her husband's money it doesn't belong to her if a person has a lot of money that he has invested and it accumulates interest on it so what does he do he takes that interest and he gives it to the poor and needy he sponsors an iftar at the masjid or you know something like that that's not appropriate it's not going to be accepted at all so this is what causes good deeds to be accepted and what is it that causes good deeds to be rejected the opposite of that when it's done with riya when it's without ikhlas when a person is performing good deeds but at the same time he's doing such sins that are preventing his good deeds from being accepted which sins for example a person is earning haram so his body is haram his clothing is haram and then he lifts up his hands in order to pray to allah his prayer will not be accepted his good deeds are not going to be accepted because how can it be his body is made of haram nourished with haram his clothing is haram the question is that we've discussed this earlier that if you are accumulating interest on something first of all you should stop that go to your bank and tell them i don't want this interest if you don't i'm going to switch and they'll do anything to keep you there so they'll comply so do that first of all if it doesn't work out at all or it has happened in the past and now you have that interest money sitting there then you don't want to keep it you want to get rid of it because yamhaqu Allahu riba allah destroys riba so if that riba money is sitting with your halal money your halal money is also going to be destroyed so in that case what should you do get rid of that haram money how that if somebody is in a similar problem where they have to pay interest it was a previous transaction they're trying to get out of it they have to pay interest so give them that interest money to pay interest khabis for khabis so anyway one of them his qurban was accepted the other person his qurban was rejected now if you were to find out that you and your friend 
apply to a particular program in the university, she got accepted and you didn't. How would you feel? Sometimes people say, I'm so happy for you. And in their heart, they're not happy. What happens? Jealousy, anger. All of a sudden that friendship turns into hate. All of a sudden that same person who used to love becomes so annoying. That same person whom you used to do everything with, now you don't want to talk to them, now you don't want to see them because you're just plain jealous. Now this jealousy sometimes, it grows so much that it turns into violence. Or at least verbal abuse. If not physical abuse, verbal abuse. So this brother, whose qurban was not accepted, he said, قَالَ لَأَقْتُلَنَّكَ I'm gonna kill you. I'm gonna kill you. He was so upset, he was so furious, that he said, I'm gonna kill you. I cannot tolerate your existence even. That Allah rejected my deed, and He accepted yours, I don't wanna see you anymore. I don't wanna know you anymore. I don't want you to be happy at all. I don't want you. I don't like you. I want to get rid of you. قَالَ لَأَقْتُلَنَّكَ He said, I'm going to kill you. قَالَ The other replied, إِنَّمَا يَتَقَبَّلُ اللَّهُ مِنَ الْمُتَّقِينَ Indeed, Allah only accepts from who? From those people who have taqwa. Why did he say that? He's in a way warning him. He's encouraging him. He's telling him the reason why his deed was not accepted. He's not showing off over here. What he's doing is, he's encouraging him to have fear of Allah concerning what he's saying. That look, Allah accepts for a reason. He rejects for a reason. There was lack of taqwa because of which Allah rejected the deed. So you should be concerned about that, not about me. Because sometimes what happens is that instead of focusing on our shortcoming, on our mistake, we blame other people. Something doesn't work out right. Why? Because of our own lack of effort. So instead of improving ourselves, learning a lesson from our mistake, what do we do? We channelize all the energy against other individuals whom we are jealous of, whom we are upset with. That we say, it's because of them, I don't like them, and I'm going to get rid of them, I'm going to say this to them, I'm going to say that to them. Remember that every problem that happens in your life, every failure that you experience, every suffering that you go through in your life, what do we learn in the Qur'an? It's because of your own mistake. Not somebody else's wrongdoing. Yes, somebody else's wrongdoing can affect you if you allow them to affect you. If you allow them to affect you. Somebody could hate you. They could try to do a lot of harm to you, but they cannot do it unless you let them. And what do I mean by that, unless you let them? You see, someone can try to make you unhappy. They can say miserable things to you, they can say hurtful words to you, but at the end of the day, you decide, you choose to be happy or unhappy. You choose to either think and ponder and reflect over what they said, or ignore it and get over it and move on. So always, whenever you fail in your life, don't think it's because of other people.
Don't think about how to deal with them and how to respond to them. Think about yourself. Why did this not work out? Or why did this happen in this way? So he said, إِنَّمَا يَتَقَبَّلُ اللَّهُ مِنَ الْمُتَّقِينَ Allah accepts only from the people who have taqwa. And he continued, he said, لَإِمْ بَسَطَّ Surely if you were to extend, بَسَطَّ from بَسَطَّ to extend. If you were to extend إِلَيَّ towards me, يَدَكَ your hand, لِتَقْتُلَنِي so that you can kill me, you extend your hand in order to kill me. You reach out to kill me. How? However, it doesn't matter to us. So if you reach out to kill me, مَا أَنَا I am not going to be بِبَاسِطٍ at all one who extends يَدِيَ my hand إِلَيْكَ to you لِأَقْتُلَكْ so that I kill you. Meaning, that even if you were to reach out in order to kill me, I'm not going to reach out to kill you. You can draw your hand out to strike me, to kill me, but I am not going to draw out my hand in order to strike you, to kill you. I'm not going to do anything to kill you. You said you're going to kill me, and you can do whatever you want to kill me, but I have no intention to kill you. I'm not going to do anything to kill you. Why? Because, إِنِّي أَخَافُ اللَّهَ رَبَّ الْعَالَمِينَ Indeed, I fear Allah, the Lord of the worlds. This is why I don't have the intention to kill you even. The thing is that killing another person is something that is very serious. Which is why we should be very careful of even saying statements like, I'm going to kill you. Don't even say it in a joke. Don't even say it ever. Don't mean it. Don't intend it. Don't even have that thought in your heart because it's something very serious. Because what do we learn in the hadith? That al-qatil wal-maqtul kilahuma fil That the murderer and the one who was murdered, both of them are in the fire. When? When two people come against each other with their swords. So the people ask that, okay, the one who killed makes sense, that he ends up in the fire. But why the one who got killed? Why should he end up in the fire? What was the response? Because he intended to kill his brother. He intended to kill the other. So the thing is, that if someone is trying to kill you even, then you cannot have the intention to kill someone. Because if you have the intention to kill someone, then it's as though you have killed them. It's that serious of a crime. The intention is so evil even. Now, does this mean that a person should not even try to defend himself? No. You try to defend yourself, and there are many other ways of defending yourself. Run away, get away, hide, prevent the strikes from reaching you, whatever you can. Maybe even you know, restrain the other person, but do not have the intention to kill them in order to save your life. Do not have the intention to kill them in order to save your life. Why? Because, إِنِّي أَخَافُ اللَّهَ رَبَّ الْعَالَمِينَ Because I fear Allah, the Lord of the worlds. Now you see over here, fear of Allah again is mentioned. Earlier we learned about taqwa. For the acceptance of good deeds, what is required? Taqwa. And in order to stay away from sin, again what is required? Fear of Allah. How essential fear is. The right kind of fear. The fear of Allah. Now, we see over here that this brother, 
the one whose qurban was accepted, he tells him that I am not going to reach out to kill you. Why is he saying that? What's the point? Because where his brother is trying to kill him, and he's not doing anything to hurt him back, it might show that he is weak, or he's too afraid. So he tells him that no, it's not weakness or your fear that's preventing me. It's the fear of Allah because of which I won't do anything to kill you. Inni uridu. He warns him. He says, indeed I want an tabu abi ismi wa ismika. That you obtain my sin and your sin. I want that you should incur, you should end up with my sin and your sin. Tabu'a from the root letters ba wow hamza. To end up with, to incur. So I want you to end up with my sin. What does it mean by my sin? Meaning the sin of my murder. The sin of killing me. وَإِثْمِكَ and your sin. What does it mean by that? Meaning your sins that you have committed before. So I want that you should end up with the sin of my murder and the other sins that you've committed. فَتَكُونَ مِنْ أَصْحَابِ النَّارِ And then you will be of the companions of the fire. وَذَلِكَ جَزَاءُ الظَّالِمِينَ And that is the recompense of the wrongdoers. Why is he saying that to his brother? Because you see, there are different levels of, there are different ways of advising someone. And you see how he's advising him, one step after the other. First of all, he says, Allah accepts only from the people of taqwa. Then he says, if you try to kill me, I'm not going to try to kill you at all. And then he says that if you kill me, then you'll end up with the sin of my murder and all of your previous sins. And then you will end up with the people of the fire. And that is the recompense for who? The wrongdoers. So he is directly warning him. After indirectly warning him, he's directly warning him. So sometimes you tell people indirectly. And when they don't get it, when they don't understand, then what do you do? You directly tell them so that they can stop from the wrong thing that they're doing. But despite this mawa'illah, what happened? فَطَوَّعَتْ لَهُ نَفْسُهُ His soul permitted him. طَوَّعَتْ from obedience, right? And طَوَّعَ is to make to obey, to allow, to permit, to make to agree, permit. So his soul allowed him. His nafs allowed him. And this is the reality. You cannot do anything until you yourself allow. Allow who? Yourself to do it. Isn't it? Because sometimes it happens. You want to write something really nasty. But you're wondering, you're thinking, you're debating, should I, should I not? And then what happens? You're like, no, you know what? I'm going to do it. I'm going to write this. Sometimes you write and then you delete. Why? Because your soul doesn't allow you to send that email. But what happens then? You write something again and then you delete. And then you write again and then you just send. And then you want to undo and you're thinking, thinking, should I, should I not? And then eventually the nafs says, let it go. Right? So many times it happens that there is back and forth, but eventually your soul allows you. If your soul doesn't allow you, if you yourself do not allow yourself to do it, you won't do it. So, فَطَوَّعَتْ لَهُ نَفْسُهُ قَتْلَ أَخِيهِ His soul permitted him to kill his brother. فَقَتَلَهُ So he killed him. فَأَصْبَحَ مِنَ الْخَاسِرِينَ So he became of the losers. He killed his brother, 
And he became of who? The losers. Now this is a reality. That sometimes, you know, you want to get rid of someone. You don't want to see them again, so you say the most harsh thing to them, you say the most rude thing to them, to satisfy the anger and the rage that's in your heart. You say what you have to say. But does it solve the problem? If they're your relative, they're still your relative. You're saying harsh things to them doesn't make them a non-relative to you. If they're your classmate, if they're your co-worker, they still remain your co-worker. So at the end, do you win or do you lose? You lose. You didn't solve the problem. You didn't get anything. In fact, you suffered because you have destroyed your relationship with someone. And think about it. In the case of murder, a person is furious and he kills someone. When he kills them, what does he get? Life sentence? Or he's killed in return? Does he gain anything? He suffers a great loss. فَأَصْبَحَ مِنَ الْخَاسِرِينَ Think about it. You know, if you ever read on the news, you see all these murder cases. Just yesterday I was reading about this man who murdered someone. Years and years ago, ran away, changed his identity multiple times, even got married to someone, deceived his wife for 12 years. And then he was caught because he was abducting his daughter. And it was a child custody battle. And then for some reason they reviewed the previous murder case and related it with him. And he was the person whom they found guilty of committing that murder so many, many years ago. You could be on the run for 20 years, for two decades. But eventually justice is established, right? فَأَصْبَحَ مِنَ الْخَاسِرِينَ فَأَصْبَحَ مِنَ الْخَاسِرِينَ He becomes a loser. So if ever this thought comes to your heart, I want to get rid of this person. I'm going to kill them. They could be your relative, could be your sibling, could be your parent, could be your child, could be your spouse. And these thoughts shaitan puts into your heart. Never ever think such thoughts. Eliminate them. Get rid of them. Say, A'udhu Billah. Because remember, killing someone is not going to solve any problem. It's going to make you a loser. A greater loser. فَأَصْبَحَ مِنَ الْخَاسِرِينَ He became of the losers. Let's listen to the recitation and then continue. وَاتْلُ عَلَيْهِمْ نَبَأَ بْنَيْ آدَمَ بِالْحَقِّ إِذْ قَرَّبَا قُرْبَانًا فَتُقُبِّلَ مِنْ أَحَدِهِمَا وَلَمْ يُتَقَبَّلْ مِنَ الْآخَرِ قَالَ لَأَقْتُلَنَّكَ قَالَ إِنَّمَا يَتَقَبَّلُ اللَّهُ مِنَ الْمُتَّقِينَ لَئِن بَسَطْتَ إِلَيَّ يَدَكَ لِتَقْتُلَنِي مَا أَنَا بِبَاسِطٍ يَدِيَ إِلَيْكَ لِأَقْتُلَكَ إِنِّي أَخَافُ اللَّهَ رَبَّ الْعَالَمِينَ إِنِّي أُرِيدُ أَن تَبُوءَ بِإِثْمِي وَإِثْمِكَ فَتَكُونَ مِنْ أَصْحَابِ النَّارِ وَذَلِكَ جَزَاءُ الظَّالِمِينَ فَطَوَّعَتْ لَهُ نَفْسُهُ قَتْلَ أَخِيهِ فَقَتَلَهُ فَأَصْبَحَ مِنَ الْخَاسِرِينَ So it started from what? 
This qatl was the result of what? Jealousy. Jealousy over what? That he is more righteous, his deeds were accepted, and mine were not. So sometimes, hasad is also over deen. Because of the blessing of the deen. Like the Bani Israel, the Jews, the Yahud, they did not have hasad for the Prophet ﷺ because of the deen, the blessing of the deen, that he was chosen as a prophet, and a prophet was not sent from amongst them. So that hasad, that jealousy, led them to committing so many crimes. Sometimes we think people are only jealous over money, or over beauty. But remember that كُلُّ نِعْمَةٍ مَحْسُودٍ Every person who has been given a ni'mah from Allah, he is mahsud. Meaning people will have hasad from him. You will memorize Qur'an, you will get a good mark on your juice test, you start wearing the hijab, and you think that people should be happy, but they're not always happy. You get to go for hajj, you get to go for umrah, you get to fast the entire month of Ramadan, and then what happens? People are envious. So one is that you face jealousy, and the other is that you experience jealousy in your heart. This story tells us about experiencing jealousy in the heart. That such a thought, destroy it, finish it, eliminate it from the very beginning. Because just analyze the whole situation. Just analyze this jealousy. This jealousy is over what? That Allah accepted His good deeds and not mine? That Allah gave him this blessing of deen and didn't give it to me. So basically this is anger against who? Allah. Not against the person. It's not his fault. You did it, they did it. Allah accepted theirs, not yours. It's not that person's fault. You're blaming Allah basically, right? This is what hasad is. Being unhappy with Allah's decision. But the fact is that no matter how angry we are, no matter how unhappy we are, What are we before Allah? What are we? We are nothing. So we have no right to be jealous. And remind yourself, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is ذو فضل عظيم. He is the possessor of great bounty. If He can bless one person with a great blessing, He can bless you too. But you have to do something. Inshallah, when we see a name with somebody, we have to make dua right away. That may Allah give us the same blessing. And we see the example of Zakaria a.s. When he saw the fruits with Maryam a.s. He made dua and he was blessed with a son. So instead of being jealous, we should ask Allah for his blessing. وَاسْأَلُوا min fadlihi. Okay. What do you do if you feel that somebody is jealous of you because of maybe your deen or maybe some blessing that Allah has given you and you try to be nice but you know they're jealous and you sense it you feel it they make your life miserable for you so in that situation what should you do follow the example of the son of Adam that what did he say that لَإِن بَسَطَّ إِلَيَّ يَدَكَ لِتَقْتُلَنِي مَا أَنَا بِبَاسِطٍ يَدِيَ لِأَقْتُلَكَ if you say something nasty to me I'm not going to say it to you you hurt me I'm not going to try to hurt you. I'm not going to try to take any kind of revenge from you. Because the one who is jealous, the one who is trying to harm you, they cannot harm you if Allah protects you. So seek Allah's protection against them. 
And Allah is sufficient for you. فَسَيَكْفِيكَهُمُ اللَّهُ So jealousy led to قَتْل which led to خُسْرَان It's a way down basically. When a person becomes jealous, instead of getting better, he starts getting worse. Because it ends up in خُسْرَان 